do what I want, when I want, with who I want. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the definition of success. When you got laid off, you did not know what you really were gonna have set up. It's the story that you create from now forward. It's up to you. A month and a half of depression and not knowing where I was gonna go, thinking that I was gonna you know, end up homeless or you know, all these things. On today's episode, we have an architect turned entrepreneur. He was laid off in 2008 and quickly embraced the online business world where he has impacted millions globally from his products to his world-renowned podcast, Smart Passive Income. A believer in service-first success, he has crafted incredible teams and systems. His goal has been to inspire through action and share joy. And he's been guided by the principles of embracing unplanned moments, owning his successes and failures, and forging a unique path to happiness. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today and my good childhood friend, Pat Flynn. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks, Jeff. Dude, it's so good to be here with you. Uh, I don't know if you know this about Jeff, but Jeff and I went to middle school and high school together. And now we're in your studio, which is epic, by the way. You know, I do podcasting for a living, and uh, this is blowing me away. So well done, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> well, I got to be honest, your podcast was one of the very first podcasts that I ever religiously listened to. Wow. Yeah, which says a lot in today's world, because I think if everyone goes back in time and says, what was that first podcast that I actually listened to and watched? Like, we remember TV shows. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I watched 90210 when I was a kid, you know, or whatever those were, or Say by the Bell. But what were those podcasts, that first couple were... Because now I think a lot of people listen to so many. Right. It's more like a buffet style. It's a buffet and we're getting bloated. That's for sure. Yes. Um, but I think like my podcast was to you. I have a podcast too. That was the very first thing that I listened to that inspired me when I started. It was called Internet Business Mastery mm -hmm. uh, with Sterling and Jay. And I remember listening to them and I was like, these guys are like my friends, right? Even though I'd never met them, just listening to their voice and letting that sink in. That's what inspired me to start my businesses and, you know, to have that ripple effect then hit you and then all the ripple effect that you will have on all the viewers out there and the listeners and the like that's why we're here is just to keep that ripple going. Yeah, and to bring what what used to be this big Chinese wall where you felt like you couldn't have access to certain individuals. You didn't have access to the information and it was always like sold to or purchased by. Mm -hmm. And I think podcasts really broke down that barrier and said, "You know what? We're all humans. We all have strengths and weaknesses and we can learn about anything we want." Yeah. With all of this podcast content that's available, when you get two people, three people, four people in a conversation, it's not scripted. It's not, I'm not, we're not selling anything on this on, on air here. Mm -hmm. It's just getting into the weeds together and hopefully building rapport and also bringing you, the audience, into the conversation. Yeah. You get a real sense of who a person is when you listen to their voice and, and of course, when you're watching them as well versus when I started in, in 2008, um, there weren't very many podcasts and it was a lot of blogs, right? I would I would consume my content with blogs, but that's, people can edit that, they can fine tune it, they can hire somebody else. But when you're listening to an interview and a person reacts or responds, I mean, that's, I mean, essentially they're real selves. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, you connect with the people that you vibe with and um, I'm just stoked for your show. Because at the time that we're recording this, it's not out yet. Correct. So we're doing a little time travel here, but I'm stoked for it. You told me about it. I'm, I'm excited for the other guests. Um, I'll probably add it to my playlist. Well, thank you. Not just because we went to high school together. Yes. Scripps Ranch High School. Go Falcons. Go Falcons. <laughs> Back in the day. Well, you know, the, the funny thing, and I, and I think I reminded, about, reminded you about this once, but SPI, Smart Passive Income. You know, when I sold my first company, I wanted to do smart 
I wanted to do passive income. I was like, you know what, Pat's onto something. You know, the idea that I can set something up and have this continuity factor of making money mm -hmm. while I sleep and passively. Right. Right. And I don't know if you remember me taking you to lunch. I think we went to. Uh, it was in La Jolla, right? Yeah, it was um, Carl Strauss. That's right. Carl Strauss. And I said, let me buy you lunch. And, you're, and we hadn't seen each other probably in eight years. A long years. time. Like yeah. it was a while. I mean, I must have been, uh, this was 2000. I didn't have a beard back then. You did not. I did you not had a young beard. face. <laughs> you were a youngin. You don't want to know what it looks like when you're here anymore. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've, I see videos. I mean, a lot of my audience hasn't seen me either for a while. And then they, they see the videos on my Pokemon channel and other stuff. And they're like, I didn't know you could grow a beard. And I was like, I don't, I didn't know I could grow a beard either. But it's a good beard. Thank you. It has I some mean, gray to it. I can't do it. Not that thick. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I, mean, I have beard envy right now. It's a COVID beard and it, it, I guess it's staying. Yeah. It's, I mean, and you know what? The gray is in perfect location. Like it's the salt and pepper and it's perfect. Mm. Cause it's not like just a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like you're, you're trying to figure it out. Like you've, you've got it. <laughs> now you're just flattering me. Yeah. A little bit. But I have beard envy. <laughs> uh, thank Cause you. I cannot grow one that thick. It's all good. Uh, you're doing pretty well, I think. So no. minus the beard. I minus think you're, the beard. I think you're good. Yeah. So what I, what I, why I took you to lunch, though, if you don't remember, was because I had just sold a company didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I remember your story in 2008 when you got laid off mm -hmm. at the worst time ever, the Great Recession. And you were able to pivot to this new world of online with no experience, passive income, which is amazing. And you were sharing it openly and publicly of not only how you did it, but how much money you were making month over month. And I thought... That kind of vulnerability, that kind of exposure, and that kind of access to you was awesome. And being the relationship-minded guy I was, I was like, I need to talk to Pat. Yeah. And so you were grateful enough to take to accept my offer to go to lunch. And I tried to hire you that day, and you told me no. And I loved you for it because it was <laughs> so sorry. on brand. But it was like you were like, I don't – it's passive income, Jeff. It's not active income. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as 100% passive. I mean, still things require upkeep. I mean, real estate, yes, it can be passive. Uh, things appreciate, but you still got to upkeep properties, investments. You still, And same thing with businesses. You can't just leave them forever, but you don't have to be present all the time to a point where if you stop doing things, then you stop making money. You can set things up and set up systems, set up people, set up software, whatever it might be to continually work for you over time. And like you said, even while you're sleeping and you know, there's a lot of people who talk about this stuff in a way that makes it sound like it's it's a pipe dream, like it's a get-rich-quick thing, and, and, and it's it's not a get-rich-quick thing. There's a lot of active uh, income that has to happen first before then, then you can turn it into something passive. But for me, the reason I said no and the reason why is because I knew why I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which was spend more time with my family and have the freedom of time and freedom of, uh, you know, financially to do what I want when I want with who I want. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the definition of success. And sure, like some people, definitions of success mean mansions and cars and all this kind of stuff. And that's cool for them too. But for me, it's family, it's time, time freedom. And um, I knew that if I said yes to that, then I'd be saying no to those other things. So Well, and that level of clarity though is part of your success formula because I think what derails so much so many opportunities are presented to us on a daily basis mm -hmm. and they all sound good when you first hear them or there's upside to them. Like, oh, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to do this. But you had such a laser focus on what you wanted and the clarity on it. What gave you that? Because you had just, this was three or four years after you'd been laid off. But when you got laid off, you did not know what you really were going to have set up. I mean, no. I know a little bit more of the story, but I kind of want to hear 
a little deeper into that moment because I think we're heading into turbulent times and people might be in those pivotal moments where they're going to have to rethink their future. Uh, for sure. But with this kind of thing that's happening again, uh, the recession, um, you know, a lot of great businesses, a lot of new things come out of these these times, right? These are times for opportunity. And the question to ask yourself is, what does this make possible, right? If crazy things are happening in our lives or, or we're losing our jobs or whatever, okay, well, what does this make possible? Not what was me or why me. It's the story that you create from now forward. That's up to you based on how you react to all these things. So for me, when I got laid off, I mean, it was tough. Uh, a month and a half of depression and 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 just not knowing where I was going to go, thinking that I was going to, um, you know, end up homeless or, you know, all these things came came about. Um, I'm grateful for for people in my life who supported me. However, my fiance at the time, uh, who's now my wife, April, she was like, no matter what happens, I'm going to stick there with you. Like, we're going to get through it together. And that was very important. And as you know, relationships and the people that you surround yourself with, I mean, your net worth or your network is your net worth, I think they say. Um, and I'm so grateful for my fiance. And then my, my family was also like, hey, whatever happens, like you're not going to be homeless. Like we have a spot for you and we want to help you get back on your feet. Um, but it wasn't until the Internet Business Mastery podcast that I discovered that there was a world out there in the internet space where you could take the information that you knew and package it in a way that serves others. And I knew information about an exam that I took that was very difficult. It's called the LEAD exam, Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. Very niched exam in the architecture space. And I had built a website and I started to get traffic to that website. And then I created a study guide that I sold for $19.95 uh, at the end of 2008. And in that first month, I had made $7,908.55 from an ebook, like mm -hmm. literally just a PDF file. I had no idea what I was doing. I was figuring it out along the way. And um, you always say this, like, you don't need the experience before you get into something. The thing you get into becomes your experience. That's right. And so that's sort of like just diving into the deep end taught me so much more. And there's a book out there called 10X is, Better than, is Easier Than 2X. And it goes across the same sort of ideals where, you know, if you're trying to 2X yourself or get twice as better, you're probably going to continue to do the same things and make the same decisions just try to get better at those things or, or, or put more force into it or just get more efficient with what you're doing. But if you're going to 10X yourself, you can't do the same things that you're doing. You have to take a different approach. You have to um, uh, find a different route and that will test you and that'll challenge you. But with big risks comes b bigger rewards. I'm so grateful that I got let go because if I didn't, I'd still be in architecture today because I wouldn't have been forced to figure it out. And I was forced to figure it out. And that business continued to grow and grow. And that's where smartpassiveincome.com came along because a lot of people and friends of mine and old colleagues said, how did you do that? Can you show me? And I said, sure. So I built the website. I started to show people everything from the tools I was using to how I was approaching creating content to how I was selling this thing, what was working, what wasn't. And like you said earlier, how much money I was making, which I didn't realize was such a big deal. I was just like, if people are gonna learn from me, I wanna show them all the things that are going on and, and truthfully uh, and, and transparently. And apparently that just blew everybody's mind. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's like showing us how much money he's making and how many customers he has. And it wasn't always rainbows and unicorns. Like there were some down months too. And those months were more interesting to people too because they started to go, oh, well, why did this not work this, this month? And it wasn't just about the numbers. It was the, the things that I did or didn't do that those numbers were a byproduct from. It also gave visibility to the fact that it's to your point it's not always perfect and how is pat going to overcome it right what are those steps right and to see that it's okay if you lose money one month then it's okay if i lose money one month 
You made it possible and acceptable for my journey to be okay and not to think, oh, if Pat makes money every month and I lose money one month, I must be doing it all wrong. Right. And I I mean, that brought a more realistic approach to it. And it was much different than the kinds of educational content that you'd see at the time back then, which was like this quick system, but I'm not going to tell you until you, you know, show me your credit card kind of thing. $47. $47. I mean, some of these programs are tens of thousands of dollars too. And I was just sharing everything for free. Mm -hmm. And that attracted a lot of uh, attention. I became a guest on a lot of podcasts and was on a lot of videos back then. And that's when I decided to start the podcast in 2010, which now has over 75 million downloads also in the Entrepreneur Network, by the way, shout out to them. And uh, that has now enabled me to build a lot of relationships. A lot of the people who have had on the show, I think this is why it's so smart that you're doing this because it's not just about talking and you know collecting this content to share it with all of you. It's the relationship. I mean, our relationship is gonna be even stronger after this conversation. And you know, it's much easier to ask somebody to come on your show and, and feature them and tell their story um, and then build a relationship that way versus not having a podcast and saying, hey, can I just pick your brain for 20 minutes or can we chat? Sure. I'm sure if I didn't know you and I called you to take you to lunch, you would have been less inclined to say yes. Well, I mean, if you had some, you know, nice everbowl sort of uh, <laughs> food that I could have, then maybe. But yeah, We went to Carl Strauss. I brought you into a bar. You did. You did. You got me nice drunk and just yeah. asked. No, I yeah, don't drink. I took but, advantage of you um, with uh, – Iced teas and lemonades. Yes. No, that was fun. Um, But yeah, to to go along with the story, I mean, the podcast started and then the YouTube channel and then I started writing books and I started to just speak on stage like you do now and and, and really develop a style for how I teach business. Every person who is an entrepreneur who wants to share that information has a different formula. And it's like, it's like diets, right? Like a lot of people want the one diet that will help everybody. And that's, that's not going to happen. We're all different body types. We all have different metabolisms, et cetera. But my goal is to share the way that I do it. I love your show because you're asking others to share theirs too. And, and, and your job, uh, the audience, is to pick a style that works with you based on the mentor that you want to follow or the future that uh, you, you want to have. And then just go with it, right? And try it and experiment and, you know, I think you and I align and we have some similarities in, in our business styles. Uh, you know, you have your formula, I have mine. And, and really what mine comes down to is just serving first. Find a problem and help those people. That's really all that it comes down to. Yeah, even down to now where I have students that I coach, it's like, let's find one person who has a problem and let's solve that person's one problem. Everything else can stem from there. Mm-hmm. You don't need a website. You don't need a business. You don't need a location in order to help people. And once you get that one result, not only does it teach you where to find these people, how to talk to these people, how to um, teach these people what their objections are, what their struggles are, how to help them overcome those struggles, not only do you also get a testimonial after you help them, but you now have the confidence that what you can help people with actually does help, which is I know a big problem with a lot of entrepreneurs is we want to solve problems, but then we end up having to sell something or or promote ourselves and we're just not sure or or, or we have imposter syndrome because we don't know if it's gonna if it's going to hit or not. Well, find out, like get it done, get that person the result. And then what happens is you almost now feel a responsibility, an obligation to go out there and promote it. And you you, you speak loud about it because you know that this can help. If you had the cure for a disease, like, and you know that that would help people, you're going to shout from the rooftops to help as many people as you can, right? Especially if you come from a heartfelt sort of uh, service-driven approach. Um, That combined with the systems and the automations and the people and the way that you set up your business, very much inspired by Tim Ferriss. I got to say, when I started my business in 08, that was a year after the four-hour work week came out. And that's why my business, my architecture business, 
did not have a physical space, did not have even physical books because I wanted to just get that information to people in an as automated a fashion as possible. Yep. So people could download the book, get it automatically delivered to them. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have an extra, you know, seven, $800 in my bank account the next morning. And it was just such a unreal, surreal feeling, especially because I worked so hard to become an architect. And here I was doing this thing that I had never done before and I was making two and a half times more. And, and it just kept growing. So anyway, I'm talking a lot, but. Um, no, but this is important because I think there's so much at this, especially at this stage in the Pat Flynn journey, I mean, you've had immense success and you're very well known, but I don't know how many people who meet you for the first time or really get to know you now at this stage understand that you're just, that's, you're just like everybody else or you were at that point. Mm -hmm. You had the same challenges, the same trials, the same tribulations, the same uncertainty. I mean, I can't tell you how many successful entrepreneurs that I have had the privilege of speaking with that we've all shared the imposter syndrome. I don't know one that hasn't had it. Yeah. And it either makes you or breaks you. And it's what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. And the fact that that part of your journey, that part of your story where like you just said it, it's like I went to law school to be a sports agent. I've never touched the legal profession pretty much since. You went and were an architect. I mean, how often do you architect at this point? Uh, in the traditional sense, very little. Correct, <laughs> right? And so you have this reshapement of life of what you thought you were or this person you thought you were because one of my core values one of my success formula for me is change ready mm. is to be willing to change and the great recession taught me that because we were unfortunately or fortunately children of that era and we came into the workforce right during one of the worst financial times in the last 50 years yeah i think it enabled us to survive COVID a lot better and handle the next macro black swan event and those unfortunately can break a lot of people or companies, but can shape a lot of people and companies. And I think the Pat Flynn story of 08 is so valuable, especially unfortunately of what I am seeing today in today's weird times. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you can teach a lot of people with what that past was. And a lot of people want to hear about, you know, the Pokemon and the stuff that's more important today, <laughs> but going back is important as well. Oh, for sure. Um, before we get into the Pokemon stuff, I wrote a book called Let Go, which was more of a memoir of how I got let go from my architecture job. But it's, and I've read it. It's a great book. Thank you. It, it, it's a double meaning because in order to become the entrepreneur that I am today, I had to let go of who I thought I was supposed to be. You know, there's this thing called sunk cost fallacy where when you put enough time into something, you think that that's what you have to keep doing. And I felt that way about architecture. I felt that way because I went to school for architecture. My pa parents paid my way through Berkeley to become this architect. Stepping away from that, didn't make sense to me on paper. Like it did not make sense for me to try something completely different when I had spent all these years doing this. But when I got laid off, I was sort of on two ladders. I was like wanting to climb the corporate ladder and still be on that ladder. And I was sort of hanging on, but then here was this new ladder and I was on both ladders. And if you imagine yourself straddling both ladders, like how easy is it to climb any of those ladders? Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be weird and it's, you're gonna fall uh, and, and, and hurt yourself. Um, so I had to let go of the architecture career ladder that I had to fully embrace and put all my strength into climbing this new ladder. And this new ladder, the entrepreneurial ladder, was much taller, much higher, a little scarier, but I could climb a lot higher because I didn't have those ceilings holding me back from the growth that I didn't even know I had in myself. But when you got laid off, and I've never asked you this, did you apply for other architecture yes. jobs while you were doing the, the lead certification website? I did. Did you go on any interviews? I did. Did you get offered a job? I did not, thankfully. 
I would have taken it. I was going to ask you if you... 100% I would have taken it. And you'd be an architect today. Probably. Probably. Yeah, I interviewed... I, I moved back in with my parents. Um, I was living in Irvine, California. Both my fiance and I moved back in with our parents who, who both live in San Diego. And I was living out of my high school, middle school bedroom uh, making this work, trying to make it work. But I was still going into interviews around architects in the San Diego area because I did not believe that I was supposed to go down this new path. I was hanging on mm -hmm. to the thing that I was most comfortable with. But as we all know now, growth comes from outside of the comfort zone. And I, I'm so grateful that I wasn't, that, like I must have failed a CAD test or something um, because I, I had to go in and do some sample CAD drawings and I guess they didn't impress, thankfully, because nobody ever called me back. And I'm grateful for that because um, that's when I went all in. Actually, when I went all in was actually a year later when I stopped like worrying about the architecture thing. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. So about nine, ten months later, my boss called me back, the one who let me go. And he was calling to check up on me. He's like, Pat, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? Uh, hopefully you're surviving the recession. And I said, man, I started this new thing and it's going really well. And I don't think he was hearing me because the next thing he said was, Pat, I want to offer you a job again, a job back. So he removed himself from the firm. He took a couple of my friends and coworkers to start up a firm and they were working with uh, one client, but it was a client that I was mostly on when I was in architecture um, and they were going to start up a new a new thing. And he had offered me um, more pay. He'd offered me a bonus and he even offered to pay for a year's rent for me to come wow. back to Irvine and work with him in an office with uh, two of my coworkers. And I did not hesitate to say thanks, but no thanks. Like it was a split second decision. And then I hung up and I was like, wow, I really just said no to what would have been an amazing opportunity. Why did I, why did I not even think about that? And it's because I couldn't imagine going back when I saw even just got a taste of what it was like to be my own boss mm -hmm. and see, and it wasn't just about the revenue either. It was about the fact that that revenue was coming in while I was getting these incredible thank you notes from the people I was helping. Because I have my fingerprint on several buildings around the U.S., mostly P.F. Chang's and Yard Houses because I was in the restaurant division. Some gaps in Apple stores too. But anyway, those were the projects I was working on. Nobody will ever know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're the only people to know that because I just said it. Next time I eat at P.F. Chang's, I'm going to think of you though. Pat Flynn Chang's. Pat P.F. Flynn Chang's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. No, I don't know. I just made that up. Yeah, I like it. Um, but <laughs> with the lead exam, an exam that most people don't know about, when a person would pass their exam because of the help that I have offered. I mean, people were sending me like life stories about how 
passing that exam got them this promotion and allowed them to take a vacation with their family like that they weren't able to do before or that they were studying for this exam for two years and their boss was going to fire them if they didn't pass, they said, but then they were able to finally do it after I, like I got so much more recognition and thank yous and feeling like I was doing something worthwhile helping a little exam in the space versus building these giant buildings that everybody was going to use every day. And I was like, wow, I can make a bigger impact on my own. And so I'm going to go deep into that deep impact. Deep impact. And did that always drive you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is right. that always something you like very important to you? That is very important to me. Um, it, it's a blessing and a curse, I think. And my wife will definitely tell you that. So I'm an Enneagram three. I, I, I don't know if you know the Enneagrams, but uh, a, th a three out of the nine on the Enneagram is very much somebody who thrives when they know that they are helping others. Um, and that could be, again, there's for the Enneagram numbers, there's a good side and a bad side. And so um, that fuels me, that drives me. Knowing that I can be there of service to other people is is what keeps me moving forward. Um, the, the, the downside of a three is then do I not feel worthy if I'm not helping people? If you're not getting Am that I still outward uh, validation? Right, right. And so there's, there's, I mean, obviously there's a correlation between that and writing books and being a keynote speaker and, you know, hosting my own events and those kinds of things too. But my approach is always coming from a place of serving first and the byproduct will be the thank yous and the recognition and, and, and the impact that I make. And I later realized that I'm making an impact even if I never hear that I'm making an impact. By putting myself out there, I mean, there was a point in 2011, 2012 when my podcast was up for a year and a half and the numbers were starting to get pretty flat, right, plateauing. And so I was getting way more um, attention and way more traffic from my blog. The podcast was great because I was telling stories, people could hear my voice and such, but it, it just, like, I didn't see the results in the numbers. And I'm a very numbers-driven person as well. So I was like, oh, maybe I should quit the podcast. And right before I was going to give up on the podcast, I got an email from uh, a guy in Poland. His name was Michał Safonski. And the subject line of this email was, Pat, you saved my life. And so if, I was like, man, this is good. It's either really good clickbait or this story is going to mean something. And, and thankfully, it was the latter. I opened it, and he was telling me the story that he found my podcast almost as soon as I came out with it. And it was around that time that he had a, a terrible snowboarding accident. He broke both of his legs. He included x-rays in the emails to show how shattered they were. And then he felt like he was a disappointment to his family, wasn't able to work anymore. His family had to take care of him. He had two young daughters. And he said that every day he wanted to um, just give up. But after hearing my show, that kept him going. And he said that he listened to my podcast every day. It wasn't even a daily show. So he was listening to episodes over and over again to learn business and to be able to do things. And he was able to start a business from his bed to help people in the finance space uh, as a blogger. But he said that in one episode, he uh, learned from me that when you set goals for yourself, that you want to set almost impossible goals, goals that are seemingly impossible because like we were talking about earlier, it pushes you. And he decided that with two broken legs after one of those episodes that he was going to run a marathon. So he had about a year and a half to rehabilitate himself, to learn how to walk again, and to train to run a marathon. At the very end of this email, sorry, I'm just <laughs> gonna, um, the very end of this email was a picture of him crossing the finish line at the Warsaw um, full marathon, 26.2 miles, holding up a sign, and it was in Polish, so I didn't understand what it said. And it said, uh, to translate, thank you, uh, God, thank you to his family, and thank you, Pat Flynn. 
Wow. You just gave me goosebumps. And, um, dude, I was like, I never even knew this person existed until he sent me this email. And the whole time that I had my podcast going, he was listening and I was helping him. I didn't even realize it. And I wanted to give up. Mm-hmm. So it was that point forward that I knew that I never wanted to stop anymore. Like that, that, that even if I don't get verbal or, or actual confirmation that what I'm doing is helping, as long as I pour into those people, whether they tell me or not, it is worth doing. Um, several years later, I went to an event and he was there and he gifted me that banner. So I have that in my house actually, oh, which awesome. is, which was awesome. But I, I'm very grateful for, for Michal. He has since become one of the highly, most highly published authors in Poland now. Um, he has a book translated to Financial Ninja is the name of his book and it, um, self-published, but it outsold every traditional published book, um, in personal development <clears throat> and finances in the country. Anyway, he's doing really good because- you know, he also got a lot of content from me mm-hmm. to help him with his business. So anyway, I, I, I tell you that because, you know, impact is important, but sometimes you don't know the impact you're making. So you just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I've never taken the test, the, what did you call it? The lead exam or? No. Oh, the Enneagram. The Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I fall on that, but my, one of my earliest mentors, David Meltzer, used to have a business principle saying, and it was, make a lot of money, or excuse me, it was help a lot of people have a lot of fun and make a lot of money in that order. Mm. And I believed in that. I was yeah. like, you know, this is something I can get behind. Like help a lot of people, yes. Have a lot of fun, yes. Make some money, great. Later in life, he switched it. And he switched it to make a lot of money, ha- have a lot of fun and help a lot of people in that order. And I didn't like it at first. And I said, Dave, why did we switch this? Like, are we so big now? Like, do we not care? And he said, Jeff... If I don't make enough money and help myself first, I can't help and have the impact I want on more people. And as an entrepreneur, that was hard for me at first to grasp. Mm-hmm. But then I started to think about it. And then, you know, I went to law school. I do a lot of analytical thinking. And I realized something. If you go out into the world today and ask 100 people off the street, you win $100 million in a lottery, what's the first thing you're going to do? A huge percentage of them are going to say, I'm going to buy my mom a house. My, my, I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to take care of my friends. They're going to talk about giving. But we don't because we don't have the resources. And I think what Dave was trying to teach me in that or in his own business model, but through my learning of that process when I was younger was you have to enable yourself first so you can help other people. And I think with your podcast, you were trying to get that outward validation first, but because you were having other success, you could keep it going regardless Mm. and build that sphere to help more people. Because if people don't know you, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to the content you're creating, the guests you're going to bring on. You can't have that impact you really want to have. And the Mihals of the world are not going to get that access. Hmm. And who knows where they are without it. And you don't realize the kind of impact and touch you can have on people yeah. or where it comes from. So true. And I mean, there's a, the Mathis twins were on my show and um, they have this saying, and it, I can't get it out of my head, but it's exposure leads to expansion. Because they grew up in a poor neighborhood with no resources, no access to information, and no belief system around them that says you can be anything you want. You know, we grew up okay. We, we grew up in a middle-class family, communities, where our parents weren't really, on, I don't know yours, but entrepreneurial My was not God. something we were taught. No. It was go to graduate school, get a degree, and follow the corporate path, right? 100%. But we didn't have, it wasn't struggle bus like for others. And the idea that 
what your show has done for so many and what I'm trying to accomplish here and what I think is so important in the entrepreneurship community is exposing people to the belief that it's possible, that you can accomplish this if you follow these formulas, if you have access to the information and believe or take these big steps and make these audacious goals. Because if, if you aim for the moon and miss, you fall back to earth. But if you aim for Mars and miss, you could still land on the moon mm-hmm. to the 10x, 2x, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do we do that? How do we have that impact? How do we continue to have the exposure to create the opportunities for the Mihaus around the world to believe in themselves and, and take those steps and have that touch feel that, that you got back, that validation? Yeah. And, 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 and today, I think even more important is not just the information, because like you said earlier, information is freely available everywhere now. And especially now with ChatGPT, it's even more you know, filtered as it comes through to us which is incredible. Like it's it's a crazy time that we're living in right now. But what people are looking for, I found, and we actually changed our business model at SPI. So at SPI, Smart Passive Income, we have since developed online courses and we were selling these online courses as sort of one-offs and how to podcast, how to do email marketing, affiliate marketing, webinars, all those kinds of things. Um, our product now is community. It's focusing on not just like us talking to the audience and the audience talking to us. It's having a safe space for the audience to connect and talk to each other. And to have that happen and to see that the connections and the cross-pollination and the, you know, the random meetings that are happening that are that are all serving that audience, even without me there, is is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I advise business owners do now is think about how can you not just create you know, educational information or, or products, but how can you create a community around those things of like-minded people who share the same goals or who have the same problems or who are struggling with the same things so that they can support each other? If you do that, you become essentially the facilitator of those, inter- those interactions and it does nothing but heighten your brand and, 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 and increase the amount of support and exposure and reach and love for what you're doing. So my latest book that came out in 2019 is called Superfans. I've also read that. Thank you. And I sort of wrote that with the prediction that in the future, communities would be the most important thing. And I think we all know that this is where it's going because the human-to-human connection is 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 what is always going to be needed for a person to feel like, you know, to, to just feel anything really. Um, and so in 2020, during the pandemic, I started a new thing with the Superfans playbook in mind, with making people feel like they belong to something with with common language between that community, with with actually building a community in the Pokemon space. And I gotta thank my kids because my kids got me into Pokemon. Um, and then of course they kind of grew out of it and now here I am as a 40 year old now going super deep into it, deeper than I ever thought I would. You know, when we grew up, I grew up with Magic the Gathering. Yep. And, and Pogs. And Pogs. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, Pokemon was a little too young for us at the time. I actually worked at a Toys R Us in Mira Mesa. And every Saturday I had to come in and set up tables so that the kids could come in and play Pokemon. And I was always like, oh, Pokemon, such a kid's game. Now here we are. Um, but, of course, now it's a collectible. Now it's something people invest in. And it's still providing a lot of bonding experiences between parents and their kids and trading and and like the cards are still coming out there's the anime there's the all the, all the things around it pokemon go so i started this channel called deep pocket monster on youtube in 2020 i got really deep into the world of pokemon and youtubers um, and found that there were some holes and i could come in and tell better story 
and 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 try to just entertain it in a way that's different than what everybody else was doing, which was opening packs of cards and and screaming when they got something cool, which was fun. But that's not me. I want to tell a story. I want to go deep, and I want to have some fun doing it. Now, fast forward today, two and a half years later, we're at six hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. Um, it is actually more profitable than anything I've ever done because it's a small team and the ad revenue from YouTube plus the sponsorships and such um, are just out of this world. Um, it's a much bigger audience because it's a general, it's more entertainment versus yep. focus like uh, entrepreneurship. But I'm also just having so much fun and it's allowing my kids and I to connect. Kids are actually employees of my company now. They are on payroll. Um, they are it's also good for tax benefits. Good, that's the primary reason why they came <laughs> in. And, and now they're learning money management and I can teach them about investing and they have some money to play with uh, and, and invest. But also um, they're working hard and they're a part of the videos and they're helping me with merch and, and you know, those kinds of things. So it's pretty cool. And now we're bonding over that just like uh, um, it, it's just really fun. Um, I hosted an event in Anaheim about a month ago and we had 2,500 people come to a first year event with zero marketing spend because I set up the event in a way that just brought the community together to have fun and, and it's called Card Party. It's not a co convention, it's not a expo, it's a party. Like let's just have fun and celebrate this thing where on the outside we all look like nerds and people are like, why are you playing with that? This is the space for all of us to come together and not get any of that. We can all relate to each other. And then it was like kids, adults, YouTubers, brands coming together and we just had such a blast for two and a half days and we're definitely going to do another one we've already sold i think a few hundred tickets and we don't even know where it's going to happen yet people want it in and it's because community is so strong and 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 it's needed and i know how to build community yeah. um it's just been so fun but yeah the pokemon thing has been a when people hear that i do that now actually what's what's really funny is parents will come to me and they say pat i listened to your podcast for years i heard my son watching youtube and he, i like i heard your voice and i was just tripping out and i watched it and you were opening pokemon cards and now my son watches you for something completely different but it's funny because i also inject a lot of what i've learned in entrepreneurship into that content as well um when i talk about collecting cards you know yes we can get drawn to this and that and this but if you niche down your collection you're going to be a lot more satisfied with your progress you'll spend less money there's less resources that you need to worry about. So the riches are in the niches. I always talk about that in business and I talk about it in collecting mm -hmm. as well. Um, I, I bring a lot of like my life philosophies into my live streams. When I live stream every week, I get about four to 5,000 people watching me open Pokemon cards live. That's fun. It's fun and crazy and ridiculous and it's awesome. And it's like kids and families at home with popcorn watching. <laughs> like that's, I, I got to meet those families recently and they just have a good time bonding together over Pokemon and um, you know I got a lot of thanks because I keep it family friendly the parents are okay letting me be on their iPads at home and stuff which is a big step yeah especially for parents because I, I there's not a lot of there's not a lot of entrepreneurs that can tow both lines that can speak to the grown-ups and still connect with their their children and bridge that generation gap yeah which is Pokemon Go Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon, baby. Yeah, I mean, th there is a little bit of a skill there, I know. And I, I think because I'm just a big kid at heart, I can toe that line very well. It's very similar to, like, why Bluey is such a big show right now. It caters to both kids, but then there's, like, adult themes mm -hmm. and joke, Not adult themes, but, like, jokes in there for adults that only adults would get. I do the same thing in my content Simpsons as well. Simpsons used to do that well. Yeah, that's right. Simpsons that's right. was a very good example of adult humor, but 
so so complicated that kids don't get it and it's tailored to kids. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I try to do that. Anyway, I'm just having a blast creating content for a different audience. And it's funny because a lot of the Pokemon audience now goes like, how are you able to afford all this? How are you able to give this all away? Because I, I take a little bit of a Mr. Beast approach to to a lot of this where, you know, I'll, I'll buy some collections or cards and just give them away on stream. And that grows my channel, which okay. helps me generate more revenue, which helps me buy more <clears> cards <throat> to give away. And it just, you know, keeps stacking. Um, but a lot of those people they dig a little bit deeper and they find my other channel and they find my podcast. And now many of them are students, which mm -hmm. is cool. And even kids who want to learn how to start a podcast. I have a course on how to start a YouTube channel. And a lot of those people from the Pokemon, I mean, it's proven. I know what I'm doing. And yeah. so they go to my courses and, and, and you know, it's, I don't even have to sell it. They just, they ask for it, which is the coolest thing. Because you're, you're giving value. It's not a, you're not selling because there's no reason to sell. You have what people want. You have a, a formula that they can follow and get results. And that is the best way, you know, when I used to make my living selling, it was solution-based selling. Mm -hmm. You were providing solutions. Right. You're not selling me a product or service hoping to just get my money because that's the end of the transaction. You're providing me a solution to a problem. Right. And all I have to do is invest in that solution to solve my problem. Right. I'll do that all day. Oh, exactly. It's the difference between somebody knocking on your door and saying, hey, like, do you need this vacuum? I don't need the vacuum. Well, this vacuum's great though. It's like better <laughs> than your current vacuum. I don't, it's not a problem for me right now, right? Correct. Versus I have bugs in the house. Just please give me a spray that I could use right now to like eradicate all this. Like, yes. you know. Solution-based selling is the only, in my opinion, the only way to sell products and services. It's the at least secret to, to... If you want to go to bed at night. And if you want to make a lot of money long-term. Oh, yeah. And not be a used car salesman that no one wants to interact with and feel icky about it. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on The Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbowl, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. And I ask a lot of people this. Describe to me what the word entrepreneur means to you. A person who tries to figure it out for the benefit of others. And as a byproduct, happens to make some money. Yeah. But the entrepreneur is the person who's going to step up to figure out how to, how to, how to solve that problem. Um, they're going to get creative. They might not know exactly how they're going to solve that problem, but they know that they just need to keep going to make it happen. And I think you've done that in a way with Everbowl in a, in a brilliant way where you had never been in an industry like this before, but you figured it out. And you figured it out as you went. And not only did you figure it out, uh, you figured out ways to make it more efficient and make it even better. I mean, you can go up the chain to Elon Musk. How are we going to create an electric vehicle that actually is, you know, designed in a way that everybody will want it and is still fast and efficient? I don't know, but he figured it out. And he went back down to first principles to determine, you know, are these rules that we're saying about cars still actually true or not? And he just redesigned from the ground up. He figured it out. Mm -hmm. So an entrepreneur figures it out for the benefit of others and happens to make some money on the, along the way. 
Do you think everyone should be an entrepreneur? I think everybody should learn the skills that an entrepreneur would use. Whether that means they should be an entrepreneur or not, that's going to be a choice that they'll have to make on their own. Like, I can't speak for anybody else. You'll have to determine that on your own because you can still be incredibly useful, helpful. You can still be happy as an employee. But when you learn the skills of entrepreneurship, such as how to figure things out, how to communicate your ideas, I mean, those are skills that every employee should have. You'll make more as an employee having those skills. Oh, exactly. You'll go up the ladder much faster, mm -hmm. for sure. So whether you should break free from what it is you're doing to start your own thing is going to be up to you and your own circumstances. So I can't tell you if that's what you should do or not because only you know that. But you should learn the skills that an entrepreneur uses to succeed because those skills are applicable everywhere. I love it. I get asked that question a bunch from young college kids that are trying to figure it out and they are trying to force entrepreneurship. And I try to explain to them, everyone should be entrepreneurial minded. Okay. So same answer. Same, yeah, similar yeah. answer, you know. Actually, you uh, said it much shorter and better than I did. But. I, that's my question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Do you have your core values defined? <sighs> Perhaps not as, as, as well defined as you, but I know inherently why I do what I do and what I want to happen, yeah. right? And serve, serve first is, is the most important thing. Um, own up to your mistakes, you know, uh, is, is another important thing. I think that's, that comes from, you know, how I was parented, um, where, you know, my parents, I love them, but they never admitted when they were wrong. And for me and my wife, we always are very quick to admit when we make a mistake to our kids because we want them to know that we're not perfect, but we're still for them and we are there to care for them and, and we're going to be there no matter what. And that it's okay for them to make mistakes too. I grew up in a household where I had to be perfect. I had a 4.3 grade point average out of, out of scripts and still was not valedictorian, even with 4.3. Our class was very competitive. You're close though. It's close, Marnie. Um, <laughs> and uh, have you followed up with Marnie at all? Not recently. She's like the uh, dis like the district attorney of San Diego or something like that. Wow. Yeah, she's very successful. You know, I didn't go to our reunion I know. I was supposed to, and I was out of town, and I, I regretted it. Uh, 20 year, maybe, coming up? Is it 20 years? Or, no, we just... 15? We just had the 20. How old are we? Oh, we did we already have our 20? Yeah, that's the one crap, I missed. Dude. Oh, my God. I saw the invitation, and, and I got hit up, and I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll actually go to it. And I say that, that sounded bad. I'll actually go to it, not because I'm too good for it, but I was like thinking about it. I'm like, social media kind of ruined the whole premise of reunions i agree with I that see you're still in connection with them like even people i haven't talked to in 10 years i still see them on social media because we're connected and i could i know their children's faces yeah i haven't had a conversation in a decade but i kind of like what am, so i but i was like you know what it's in san diego i'm gonna be in town or i was supposed to be in town and i was like i'm gonna go and then i ended up leaving town for an event and mm. i missed it but was, i think you were there i was there marnie who i was talking about one of her powers as district attorney, she gets to um, create like, like today is officially this day. Like she gets to actually coin that day in San Diego. So she made that day, I think it was October something that year. Like every every time that day, like officially the Scripps Ranch High School class of 2001 day. Like she, she officially we have our, made- We have our own day. We have our own day. Which- Marnie, <laughs> thank you. Like 
it's just awesome um, and doesn't really mean anything, but um, it's kind of special. No, it's very special. You know, and you should have gone and we'll make sure you're at the next one. I will be at the next one. Yeah. Or why do we have to wait to a reunion to like come together? Can't we all just like, you know, if talking to Mr. Community. Well, I don't. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Who's in charge of the, <laughs> like May is in charge of it. She was, she's, she should be in charge of yeah. it. She's good at that. No, she's great. No, but she's been busy playing super mom actually. Um, but yeah, sorry, I got way off track. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here? Well, my, my other question for you actually is, is if you had to start over today, pretend all the wealth, all the businesses, all your exposure, no one knew your name. You didn't have, you didn't have the podcast. Instead of 2008, it's 2023, but you have the knowledge that you have today and you had to start today in today's world where blogs don't have the same impact. There's much more saturation in the podcast space. Hmm. Social media, personal branding world is much tougher to to penetrate through. What would you do first? I would find a problem that I am interested in solving that I could obsess over trying to figure out how to solve. Find a person, potentially somebody who already has some sort of following, and just literally pour everything I can to help them get what they what they what they want. Because as Zig Ziglar says, you can get anything in life you want. So long as you help other people get what they want. It's one of my favorite quotes. Mine too. So in my book. So th- th- I'm going to figure that out. What does this person want? I'm going to help them get that. And I'm going to do it in a way that's non-transactional. Hey, if I do this for you, can you do this for me? No, no, no. You just give, you just, you just do what you can for that person and let the universe take care of the rest. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if that person doesn't give you anything back, you're learning your understanding, you can find the next person, the next person. All of a sudden, you start to build a little bit of an expertise. Now I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to start talking about the people that I'm helping and how I'm helping them and the things I'm discovering, the new ways that we can all, you know, consider the things that we, uh, you know, the things around this niche. And, you know, just be patient. I think something Gary Fee talks about a lot is micro hustle, macro patience. So on the micro, on the daily, you know, hustling, trying to figure things out, you know, creating content, experimenting, seeing what works, see what doesn't, trying to help people. But on the macro, being patient with those results coming in and having things change because those things can take sometimes time and it can feel like nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just starts to take off. And a lot of people, unfortunately, seem to quit right before that inflection point, right before that hockey stick curves. They quit right before. And you got to stay, you got to stay patient and you got to keep going. And when you keep going, knowing that you're going to keep going, coming from a place of service, then you kind of have nothing to lose, like only so much to gain. Um, so that that's kind of the approach that I would take today. Yeah, I mean, I think that's brilliant, especially for all the college kids graduating into today's ecosystem and today's environment where AI is replacing a lot of the entry-level jobs that used to be available to them, or at least the thinking mm-hmm. that it's going to replace those entry-level jobs. And I think it's a matter of when, not if. Um, yeah. But as I try to say, someone has to enter those prompts. Someone has to control the AI. Someone has to be thinking about how to use AI to make, be, make their job more efficient. And I can assure you, and I'm sure you feel the same way, but if someone who works for me came to me and said, I just figured out all this technology to automate 80% of what I do here, that's not going to make them replaceable. That makes them irreplaceable because mm-hmm. they're thinking about organization first, serving, right. leading with value for the company, the good and betterment of the team. Instead of throwing people at the problem, they're throwing in uh, technology and modern day thinking, which to me is part of what entrepreneurship is all about. Yeah. 
But Pat, I want to thank you for coming on, man. This was uh, this, this super was, fun. Yeah, this was fun. Getting you in studio, getting you to speak to the audience. I mean, we have different audiences. Yours much more already established entrepreneurs, but you know, I have a huge audience of college-aged young adults that are trying to find their way. And something I always try to explain is I'm an ordinary guy that figured out what extra stuff to do to get extraordinary results. And it's formulaic. It's doable by everybody. I didn't have a 4.3 at Scripps High. 3.67. But we grew up similarly and we approached the world differently and came from different walks. But, you know, it can be accomplished regardless of the fact that we weren't trust fund kids that had all the opportunity and we weren't coming off the street having to fight our way there. We are that middle of the road group and on all fringes, there's accessibility and options mm-hmm. and picking your brain and getting you to speak to them is, is so valuable. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And it's shouldn't take every two and a half, three years for us to connect. I mean, we literally live right by each other. Yes. So let's, let's definitely uh, grab a coffee, beer, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And for those of you who, who don't already follow Pat, you absolutely have to, as I said, SPI, his, his, podcast is one of the foundational podcasts for me. It was one of the first three I ever listened to religiously. You need to follow him. He is a wealth of knowledge and information. He comes at it from a position and place that is accessible and doable. You don't have to have all of the wealth already. You don't have to have all the relationship capital already. It is very specific and easy to follow ways to build success. Pat, you're an inspiration to many. I want to thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking to level up your relationship capital game, then take a minute and text the word Jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my Network to Millions playbook. The link will also be provided in the show notes below. See you guys next time.